Come in, Professor Harding. As I recall, upon your arrival here, I told you and the other new faculty members I will not stand for any member of staff utilizing the university's facilities for his or her own personal podcasts. Did I not make myself clear? Well, yeah, with thing and ways and the podcast, yeah. Good, I knew my memory served me well. And, Harding, wasn't it approximately six weeks later that you recorded a rather interesting podcast before your class? Well, let me see. I think it had something to do with reviewing a classic movie and seeing if it lived up to its reputation. Yes, it was something to that effect. Do you recall what that review was on? Yes, as a matter of fact, now that you bring it up, the movie was the Jerry Lewis classic comedy, The Nutty Professor. Which, of course, is... Beloved. The results were... Negative. And... Angry. Angry! It was the angriest podcast in the history of this or any other podcast university. Oh, I'm sure there have been angrier. Oh, well, we shall see, for we will now listen to the podcast together and determine just how angry a review it is. Ooh! Hey, uh, baby, take this, wipe the lipstick off, slide over here next to me, and let's get started. We have started and finished, Buster. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we're taking a classic comedy that the whole world loves, made by a genius, or at least he thinks he's a genius. Yeah. We're going to take a look at that... Uh-huh. Uh, I can't say it. I was going to say hilarious. That hilarious comedy. Beloved by all. Uh-huh. Hated by few. Two of which are in this podcast. <laughs> Shh. The Nutty Professor. Right, Steve? Uh, well, I-, I hope so, because that's the one I watched. Yeah, I'm going to swear you and say, no, what? You watch The Nutty Professor. <laughs> We're doing Cinderfella. Ha ha, fuck We're... you. <laughs> you have to go watch another one. We're going to watch The Bell House. <laughs> oh, great. We were going to watch prototy- Prototypical Manchild. <laughs> No, we're watching The Nutty Professor, the movie with Jerry Lewis about a professor who's nutty. Yeah, that's you, you've got it. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Steve, yeah. before I tell everybody whose fault this is, yeah. do you have any trivia you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, well, I have a little bit. Of course, you know, uh, Jerry Lewis plays kind of, sort of, a dual role in this. He plays sort of two personalities, and one of the personalities is Buddy Love, like the cool version. Uh-huh. And it was sort of assumed for many years that his performance as Buddy Love was kind of his little dig at Dean Martin. Who, I don't think it was Dean Martin. No, I don't think so either. Don't don't get ahead of me. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> yeah, I'm he, gonna take your joke. It was it was it was it was assumed that he was sort of getting a little dig into Dean Martin because they had broken up a few years before this, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Jerry always denied that. Jerry always said, "No, Buddy Love is sort of my embodiment of like my criticism of hipster culture and these sort of condescending, holier than thou bullshit." You know, there people. were two words that he couldn't say. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but that was his excuse. Like, oh. 
was his his response to like the hipster yeah. people, you know. Um, yeah. But my my theory, and the theory of quite a few other uh, film critics and people who know Jerry Lewis, is that it was just Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I, I would say it could be Jerry Lewis. It was just it was just it was just him because yeah. I I have a feeling that after the Nutty Professor came out um, backstage at the premiere, he said, "I'm sorry, Frank," probably about five thousand times. To Frank, surrounded by a bunch of goons. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. He could have been doing Sinatra, too. Yeah. Ah, oh, Frank, I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> you know he didn't talk that way. I like, thought it well, would be funny, Frank. <laughs> he talked that way to Sinatra because Sinatra insisted. <laughs> talk the way I told you to. <laughs> I'm sorry, Frank. But anyway, yeah. I also... There are uh, no, from I, what I understand, Dean Martin is a pussycat. He was supposed to be a, a very nice guy in real life. Yeah. Well, he was always pleasantly buzzed. You know, yeah, like no, how, that's true. How could he summon anger in his in his usual state? <laughs> <laughs> you know? What were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, there, there, and there's another little bit uh, of trivia, more a little bit more specific than that. If you watch, if you have the... Uh, the, the DVD or the Blu-ray of, of this movie, and God help you if you do. But <laughs> what's wrong? But if you if you do happen to have that, there is a uh, a deleted scene on the disc where it's a, 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 a like a, an extended version of one of the scenes at the bar, and uh, you can catch a glimpse in a cameo role of Jerry Lewis's son Gary Lewis, who we just learned a few weeks ago after Jerry Lewis died was cut out of his will. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. What a great humanitarian. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. All right, let's fucking tell the people who made it. Let's do it. You ready to do that? Let's do it. Okay, it was directed by Jerry Lewis. Oh, oh, that was a surprise. <laughs> it's produced by Ernest Glucksman, Arthur P. Schmidt, and Jerry Lewis. Wow. Screenplay by Jerry Lewis and Bill Richmond. Based on, get ready for this, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. And Robert Louis Stevenson's ghost rose from the grave when he found out that this was made. <laughs> when he when he heard that Jerry Lewis was adapting it, he was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and it stars Jerry Lewis mm. as Professor Julius F. Kelp and Buddy Love and oh, oh, Baby Kelp. Yeah. The nightmare that just keeps on giving. <laughs> Stella Stevens, as the uh, imaginatively named Stella Purdy. Hmm. How about that? <laughs> because her first name's real name is Stella, and she's pretty. I guess that's how much thought they put into it. <laughs> and it's funny, see? Del Moore is Dr. Mortimer S. Warfield. Kathleen Freeman as Millie Lemon. Howard Morris as Mr. Elmer Kelp, Elv Elvia Allman as Mrs. Edwina Kelp, Julie Parrish as college student, Milton Fromm as Dr. M. Shepard Levy, Buddy Lester as bartender and only funny character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Med Flory as Warziski, the football player. And that's it. I'm done. I don't want to go further. I'm finished, Steve. I don't. What is why? Let's not talk about the movie. <laughs> Let's talk about anything else. <laughs> Music by Walter Scharf and Les Brown and his band of renown, who I guess they they paid him good money to be in it. I guess they even gave him lines, didn't they? Yes, yes. Yeah, they did. That he got to read off a card. Yeah, you know. He's not an actor. 
No, he's not. Boy, isn't he not. Oh. Cinematography by W. Wallace Kelly. Edited by John Woodcock. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was released on June 4th, 1963. Running time, 107 goddamn infernal minutes. <laughs> that just feels like forks grating on your skin. Just wearing a groove. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like one of the gags is about 107 minutes, <laughs> but but that's the whole movie. I don't have a, a a budget for this movie. Only a box office, and that's three point five million dollars. So uh, it made its money back. For those of you who don't know, um, at the time, uh, Paramount was kind of fiscally in trouble, and the only movies that were making any money for Paramount were Jerry Lewis films. So <clears throat> Paramount bent over backwards to keep him making movies. And they said if Jerry said he wanted to burn the studio down, <laughs> we'd hand him a book of matches. That's a direct wow. quote from a Paramount executive. Thankfully, he never did that. <laughs> <laughs> but he thought about it. Oh, I'm sure he did. So, Steve? Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, boy. To go into the side-splittingly funny uh. world... Of the nutty professor? Y- yes, this this is the path we have chosen. We choose badly. Yes. We choose very, very badly, Steve. <laughs> this is the life we chose. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right. Okay, Steve. Let's uh, let's dress up like college students. In this movie, we look exactly like them. Yeah. You're 30. You're in your 30s. I'm in my late 40s. Yep. We'll fit in perfectly with these college students who all seem to be about 63 fucking years <laughs> yeah, old. There, there, there seem to be a lot of non-traditional students in yeah. Professor Kelp's class. Yeah. Let's uh, go to a school that I, I guess only teaches science. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. None of, the, none of the windows have glass in them. And... Uh, <laughs> The smartest thing on campus is a bird. Let's go, Steve. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Take it away. (sighs) Well, so I hope you like uh, hilarious sight gags because uh, the the credits are delivered over these series of shots of this. You see, like, the the hand of this professor who is, Uh and he's holding them. He's holding various bottles and vials and it's stuff boiling over and bubbling over and he spills things and oh and the, and the students are just sitting and sort of passively watching while he makes a mess of all of these things yeah and all the the, the bottles and stuff are bright filled with bright colors and it's like a big cartoon isn't it yeah Steve? oh it's just yeah exactly it's just like a cartoon and, and there's lots of fire a lot more fire yeah, than you would boy, think for sh- a, yeah for should, a classroom he should turn that bunsen burner down a little He's got that oh, thing whoa. opened all the way up. It looks like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't really so, need that. Who who do we when the credits? How do the credits end? Well, uh, he he pours a thing into another thing, and there's a big explosion. Such a big explosion that it rocks the entire campus. People in an, in a in a, another room, perhaps even another building, are are having yeah. a meeting, like an administrators' meeting, and they're all just just shaken to the floor because it's yeah, such a it's, big boom. It's an explosion that's so strong. That it manages to uh, blow open blinds through windows without breaking the glass in the windows somehow. It just, the blinds move, but nothing happens to glass. Oh, that's because there's no glass in the windows. That's, yeah. Well, oh, never mind. Well, you know, it's probably, it's 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 late in the school year, so the weather's getting warm, you know, so. So they just knock the glass out of the windows? <laughs> yeah, they didn't have air conditioning, so they just take out the glass. 
okay, so all the students are dead now, right? Yeah, yeah, you would think. Yeah, you would think because the we see we see uh, firemen knocking down the door and smoke just billowing out in just a wall of smoke from this classroom. But then yeah. the students come come walking out. They just have a little soot on their faces. They're okay. They're just no, coughing they're a little bit. They're fine. Oh, okay. What about the the guy who was making the thing that made the thing explode? Well, the uh, a, a lady who is uh, a uh, <laughs> lady. A lady walks into the room. I. Um, who is the? I guess she's like the secretary of the the headmaster of the school, like the dean of the school. Uh, she comes. Mm-hmm. She comes walking in, and she's standing on the door that the the firemen smashed down to get into the room. And she's yeah. like, uh, you know, Professor Kelp, Professor Kelp, where are you? I don't uh-huh. see you. And yeah. and then you hear a knock, and she's like, she still doesn't get it. And you hear uh-huh. a, you hear a knock again, and then she's like, oh my! And she steps off the door uh-huh. and opens it, and the door swings open because it was knocked in, still in its door frame. Uh-huh. And she opens the door, and there, in, in the the classic comedy reveal, is uh-huh. the nutty professor himself, Professor Kelp, smashed beneath the door in a little cartoon hole in the ground. Is he okay? He, he's not. Is he burned? He's, is, does he have third degree burns? Is he all right? He's dead. Does he have a concussion? Are some of his internal organs liquefied from the explosion? I hope he's all right. <laughs> he's dead. It's a happy ending. Uh, oh no, he's, yay! He's compl- this ended differently for you than me. <laughs> I got. I got the special edition. Um, (laughs) The sadist edition of the Nutty Professor. It's only three minutes long, and boy... It's great. No, um, he's, he's... And two of those minutes is him walking around on fire. <laughs> I am on fire! Someone put me out with the thing in the water! <laughs> the fire and the skin and the bubbles and the, the naive damage. Uh... No, he's he's fine. He, again, just like the oh, students, of course. he's just got a little dirt on his face, and he seems a little uncomfortable under the door. But he's fine. He's fine. okay. Well, phew. Yeah, I know. So what happens? What next? a relief. Um, well, he gets uh, called into the dean's office. Oh, you mean that scene where Doctor Warfield pretty much sums up my my reaction to Jerry Lewis's character in this movie? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Where Doctor Warfield despises him and can't understand why he's at the school exactly or what how this person exists in reality exactly and also uh where dr warfield has the power to put an end to this and (laughs) and, and for some reason chooses not to because yeah he's what is what even well because even though in the scene we're told that this is at least the second time that Professor Kelp has triggered a massive yeah. explosion on the campus. They mentioned of this that university. one of the one of the previous explosions injured a student so badly that two years later that student is still recovering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They use that as a as a punchline. Hey, the bandages. That's will be called off skin grafts, Steve. <laughs> yeah, he's so this poor student has been suffering terribly mm-hmm. for years. I just learned how to walk again, Professor Kelp. Thanks. Uh, you're, you're very welcome. And you're failing my class. (laughs) Absenteeism has to be taken very seriously. Very seriously. Uh, So, yeah. uh, And basically, it ends with with Dr. Warfield saying, now, just don't blow anything up anymore. This is your last warning. You get two explosions. Uh Three, and we'll have to fire you. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, What a comical uh, uh, little watch he has. Oh, boy. Whenever he opens it, it plays the Marine Corps hymn, like a full band version. Yeah, and super loud. Super loud, and I bet you're thinking that there's some purpose behind it. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) 
It just thanks, happened. Steve. It, I was looking forward to that being a comedy bit. You it's know, just a running a bit gag. Of random absurdity. Actually, the first time it happens, it's 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 effective because it's at least unexpected. But then he does it like three more times, and it, it, there's never any point to it. And it's just like, oh, so he's just going to do that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. And he drops it in the fish tank, and it's muffled by the water, and then he picks it back yeah. up. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep uh, going. Okay, so then we, we see him, uh, we, we see him, I guess, the he next... He goes back to a brand new classroom. Yeah, his, I guess they moved him to another room, or maybe this is yeah. like a year later, and they repainted uh-huh. the room. I don't know. Um, he He's in his class, teaching his class like nothing ever happened, and one of the students stands up, and he says, Hey, Professor Kelp. Uh, I need to go to football practice. From the looks of him, I guess he's the coach. Yeah, you know, he's he he looks like he's he's in his about mid- ninety years old. <laughs> he's got care lines around his eyes. He's a- he's got wrinkles in his forehead, <laughs> graying hair. So he's he's what we would call a super senior. Where I went to school. <laughs> um, he got comfortable in college, yeah. and he never wanted to leave. He's in, like, year 16. Yeah, this is his know? ninth PhD. <laughs> Sometimes I like to go back and retake basic chemistry just for the fun of it. That's, yeah, You know, exactly. just audit the class, just to see if I still remember mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, and, uh, Professor Fuckstick tells him, no, you can't go. And he gets all upset and picks him up and crams him into a cupboard. Exactly, yes. And all the other students leave. He well, he dismisses class, and class dismissed. And all the students get up and leave, except for dear Miss Purdy, who... I can't. We have to call her something else, because that name just makes me angry. Stella! <laughs> Purdy? Yeah. Really? Because she's pretty. You know what? It, okay, here's the thing. She's very pretty. She's got her hair in pigtails. She's a, she's a student in his class. And if it wasn't for the fact that the actor playing Miss Purdy wasn't at least 30 years old, this love plot would be deeply icky, Steve. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, without a doubt. We have the middle-aged science teacher who's, who's fucking horny, boner-rific in love with one of his students. With one of his students, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not cool. No. Not cool. No, no. And uh, so she's like, hey, uh, you know, don't, don't, you shouldn't let those guys bully you. And then she's leaving. She drops a magazine. He picks it up. He reads an advertisement. This is don't be bullied. Work out. And then uh, the movie reminds us of something that was said exactly one minute prior to that. <laughs> yes, exactly. We get a little, a little audio flashback of something she just said. <laughs> right. And so now we get the, the gymnasium hijinks. Yep. Oh, yeah. He goes to the gym. We get a lot of. Uh, wackiness involving well first oh he, hi Richard Keel oh yeah. hi Richard Keel yeah the guy that he walks into the guy that he does like a face first walk into when he first comes yeah. in is is actually Richard Keel yeah I've um, met him really a couple times I've, I've been to lots of comic cons dude oh I thought you you, you should have made it you made it sound like he just came over to your house You're like, yeah he hangs out we him and I t- talk about the Bond films yeah, a lot yeah you know <laughs> he's very insightful him and me reenact Ega in the backyard. <laughs> That's what we do. Ika. <laughs> Watch out for snakes. <laughs> um, this is how badly we don't want to face this movie, guys. <laughs> I wish we were reviewing Ega. <laughs> Me too. That was charming. That's true. Anyway, um, 
So, uh, yeah, he goes to the gym, and then an uh, old man hits him, and then uh, takes his glasses off, so we get a whole bunch of really fun and funny Mr. Magoo hijinks. Yeah, because he can't see is the, is the yeah. gag. He's, yeah. And then when he's using one of those elastic pull thingies, he falls over, and then we go back to class so that we can see that there's a bandage gag because he's got bandages all over him. And just when you think, oh, well, that wasn't nearly as bad, I didn't think we were going to get something nearly as bad. I thought we were going to be in that gym forever. We go immediately back and now the gymnasium has a bowling alley in it yeah on it stay because yeah, that's you know that bowling is just such great exercise yeah. and and in the in there he's not wearing his glasses and there happens to be a whole bunch of people who are dressed like bowling pins for no particular yeah, reason and, and standing in exactly the same way bowling pins stand right Steve? yeah and then he rolls a bowling ball at them and they all fall over like bowling pins and it's at this point that i'm just praying for Daniel, for Daniel Plainview to show up with a bowling pin, I'm I'm literally on the on my knees in my living room praying for this to turn into there will be blood. It, it does not happen. I'm finished. It does not happen. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> you are not the chosen brother, Jerry. Anyway, so we go. More gym stuff in which it's a weightlifting gag, and yeah. the guy gives him the the barbell, and he drops the barbell, and it stretches his arms, yeah, to the point in which it probably should have killed him, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but it's funny because this is a fucking cartoon. Yeah, you get, they're stretchy and it's disturbing, and if you're a little kid, you had to freak yeah. out. What, the, what happened to his arms? Look. That can't happen in real life, can it, Bobby? Oh, just let go of the weight, son. <laughs> oh, but that's okay because in the next scene he's back to normal. Yeah, well, there is that one. There's that quick gag where he's in bed and he's his, because his arms are long, he can scratch his his feet without like having to sit up. And then his arms. I are think back I'm to lo- losing the idea of what a gag is. Yeah, I think I'm. I thought gags were supposed to be. Oh, uh, what's the word? Oh my god, this thing is killing my sense of humor now. It's f- fucked up. Fu- no, funny. 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 Right. Yeah. Will we ever remember what funny is ever against? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I've already forgotten anyway, all my favorite so, jokes. So then he goes and sees the doctor. Yeah. And, and we find out that six months have passed. Yeah, I guess. And like, it feels more like nine years. <laughs> I know. Like, he looks like he's the same age. Shouldn't he be like in his 60s by now? <laughs> uh, he was in that gym for at least 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where they have this basically pointless conversation that just enables Professor Kelp to vocalize. Tell somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how he's, oh, I've been working out. I've been working out for six months and I haven't built any muscle. And... Uh, and the guys, the doctor says, well, you know, not everybody responds to exercise. Yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like if he's been doing it. He's been going to the gym for six months and he's not uh-huh. he's not in any better shape. And that's not unusual. He should be dead. <laughs> if he's been doing six months of that, the man should be dead. But uh, what he tells him is, I I think that everything is chemical, and I'm a chemist, and I'm going to figure out a way to do it, and I'm going to borrow some books, okay? And the guy's like, sure, whatever. I got to go. Ah. <laughs> he gets ah. the hell out of the movie. <laughs> and then we have a montage. Oh, yeah. A gag-filled montage. Yeah, he collects books, and they're spilling out of his arms, and he fills his hole. He drives a Jeep, because you, when you look at that guy, you think, oh, that guy drives a Jeep. Yeah, uh, that guy drives a Jeep. He fills his Jeep up with books. 
Yeah. Any. And then uh, we we see Miss Pretty again. But I mean Miss Purdy again. Yeah. Yeah. He he opens the door right in her face. Yeah, and uh, she says, "Have you been invited to the midterm party?" And he says, uh, "Teachers aren't allowed to go to the midterm party." And then she starts talking, and we go into a close-up. Yeah. And then halfway through a close-up, she gets all blurry. It's yeah. It's like it starts to dissolve. And I thought, "Oh shit, my eyes are trying to save me. <laughs> my eyes are are trying to turn off." <laughs> oh, thank you, eyes. I love you too. Oh, eyes. Like Tell the ears me. next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it starts to to lap dissolve, but then it never dissolves. It doesn't. It suddenly switches. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's just like gauze in front of it. Yeah. And she starts talking directly at the. She does this a lot. She talks directly at the camera, and I'm like, seriously, movie, what what was that? What just happened? Seriously, Steve, help me. Why did that happen? It's, I mean, it feels like like a goof. Like they sent their they sent the original print to the lab, and there was a goof, and that's the only copy they had, and they just had to leave it in. I mean, I mean granted, it makes the actress no playing Miss Purdy was probably fifty seven years old, and they needed Pagaz there to make her look young. <laughs> but but it doesn't work if you're already in the close up, and then halfway through the scene in the close up, you suddenly go blurry. Yeah, and again, it's like. It feels like they were go they were preparing for a lap dissolve, but it just stays blurry, and then it just cuts to the to the club to the purple yeah. pit. Yeah, yeah, the purple pit, and uh, all the college kids are in their forties. Yep. Oh yeah. It's it's it must be just a special school. It must be like an adult education campus or something. <laughs> and we see Miss Miss Pretty Miss Purdy sitting at a table with the with the football guys. Yeah. I guess. And then we cut back to the school, and we get the shoe gag. Oh, yeah. The, Care to tell everybody what the shoe gag is, Steve? The shoe gag is we see Professor Kelp sneaking into the school, and his shoes are squeaking really loud, and so he doesn't want to get caught, so he takes his shoes off, and everybody can guess what happens next, because it's the most obvious gag in the world. He has his shoes in his hands, he keeps tiptoeing, and he's still making the exact same sound. Oh. And just in case we didn't get it, uh. he sits on it and he looks at the shoes like, what? And then he looks at us. Yeah, like, get it? Uh. It's a joke. It's funny you because the shoes and the thing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so. So the, now we meet, he goes into his lab and we meet Jennifer the Mockingbird. Yeah, and finally we have someone to root for. Yeah, and uh, apparently Jennifer the Mockingbird is sapient. I, I guess, yeah, yeah, she's sentient. She's she's ends up having like actual conversations with him. It starts out where she's just sort of like repeating what he says, but eventually she's like, "You better be careful, Julius." I told you, you have to mix nine parts to three parts. Here, I've outlined it here, chalkboard in the back. And here's the part here. This is retinidine. You need to make sure that you pour it in quickly and stir. You're not even listening to me, are you? Why the boy knows chemistry. <laughs> so, uh, he mixes up a bunch of chemicals. Yep. The bird tells him, don't do it. He drinks it. He's poisoned at the end. <laughs> Proving that he is not as smart as a bird. And then, quite suddenly, this becomes uh, real serious? Kinda. I guess it's supposed to be. Yeah. He... Where it is quite possible that he's just killed himself. Yeah. And then he goes into this uh, Jekyll and Hyde transformation sequence. Where he turns all hairy. Yeah, he turns hairy, and then he turns different colors. 
Yeah, and uh, he uh, there's someone spilled paint all over the floor, yeah. and and he goes from red to blue to pale, and then he crawls up onto his chair, and there's lightning because sure movie, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a cat for no reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cat's after the bird, and I guess he's a monster now. I guess yeah. He gets up into his chair, and then we smash cut. Yeah, we cut to a P to a POV shot. Yeah, of a guy, he, and he's addressing the camera, and he's like, "Well, he's basically saying, well, I hope uh, that suit looks great on you, sir, and we'll have the rest of it ready for you, you know, in a couple days or whatever." Yeah, and then everyone's looking at him like in shock. Yeah, every exactly we, we, it, as he's walking. It's a it's a it's a single uncut POV shot, and he's like crossing the street and panning slowly to catch like the face of every person who sees him, and they're all like yeah. stopped and just amazed, like "Whoa, who yeah. is that?" And you know that shot only makes sense. If he's a monster and not some dick in a blue suit. Yeah, there's a couple shots in the movie like that, aren't there? <laughs> Where the setup is completely negated by the payoff. Yeah, and, like, and the payoff is is Jerry Lewis in a blue suit. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was stopping and gaping at this normal-looking dude in kind of a loud suit. Like, yeah, that's now, it. we didn't really describe this character because, fuck, it's the Nutty Professor, but we're going to do it now anyway. The Nutty Professor is kelp. He has buck teeth. He's got glasses, and he's got, like, a mop hair. Yeah. Moppish hair. Yeah. Uh, now we see him as Buddy Love, and he's wearing a suit, and his hair is done up, and he's smoking a cigarette, doesn't got glasses, doesn't have buck teeth anymore, right? Right. Get, has a tan. Come, comes into the club, and everybody looks at him as if they've never seen a middle-aged man going through a midlife crisis before. <laughs> exactly. Just, if you've never seen the movie... We can't emphasize enough how normal he looks, and yet the entire club, like every head turns and stares in silence, in awed silence at him when he enters. And again, that scene would work if everyone thought that he was Professor Kelp. Yeah. Then they'd be like, huh? Oh, yeah. But they just think he's some dick in a blue suit. (laughs) Some (laughs) random asshole who just came walking in. So he goes to the bartender, and you start realizing that, oh, shit, him as this dick may be the only good thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's a jerk to the bartender. He, 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 like, oh, he yeah. teaches the bartender how to say hello and how to ask to, how to serve him, you know. And then he, He's a condescending asshole. He's a huge asshole. He orders this ridiculously convoluted drink. The Alaskan polar bear. The Alaskan bear. polar bear, which seems to have just a little, like a shake of everything in it. And I love that. And this was the part that I really liked. The bartender says, oh, that's interesting. Can I have a sip? And he goes, sure. And the bartender takes a sip. And he continues to pour the drink back into, pour the drink into uh, the tall glass. And the bartender is frozen in place. <laughs> yeah, and he just tips him over like a like a statue. Just, yeah. yeah. Thank you, bartender, for giving me the only laugh I had in this movie. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Yeah. So then he sees Miss Purdy, and he wants to go dance with her, and he takes her out onto the dance floor, and I'm kind of like, did Scarface steal this scene (laughs) for their movie? Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. He kind of just smooth talks her while being a jerk, and basically kind of just... He's an arrogant, condescending, just bucket of shit. Yeah. And she doesn't like him, but does yeah she's i guess she's she finds him interesting i guess and the whole time i'm thinking does frank sinatra know he's doing this (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, me and Frank saw that movie you made the other day, Jerry, and boy, Frank was mad. <laughs> you want to get out of the trunk, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> Let him out. Sinatra's Gotta like, apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Say you're sorry, Pally. <laughs> I'm deeply sorry. I'm very, I'm very sorry. You bet you goddamn right you are. <laughs> Then there are a couple of things that happen when he's talking that makes me wonder, does Kelp know that he's being a jerk? Because he makes up his name. Yeah. Right there. He says, I'm uh, Buddy Love. And I'm like, okay, so this is Kelp. Right. This isn't like, this isn't like a different personality like in Jekyll and Hyde. This is actually Kelp like this. Yeah, because he didn't have a name apparently before he put yeah. Buddy Love together like on the fly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then he says, hey, let's, you got a car? And she's like, yeah. He says, let's go. And she's like, okay, I'll leave with you in my car, even though I've pretty much said that I don't like the way you treat me. But okay, sure. We'll go drive out in the middle of nowhere to park. Because that's what women do, right, Steve? Yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense. And so this is where we find out that Buddy Love is a sex predator. Pretty much, yeah. She she makes it clear to him that she doesn't want to make out with him. Because he, he says, he says, uh, you know, wipe off that lipstick and get over here and let's get to work and and she's like no and she gets out of the car so he and then he says i don't think you heard me. yeah exactly and she's like and in oh. this day and age that would have been mace car keys and groin kick out of car drive away exactly but for her she's like i think this is over and she gets out and then he woos her yeah bullshit yeah he, yeah he gives her a line of bullshit about how you know this could be the start of a really important relationship and blah 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 blah, blah. and and she's like oh <laughs> I, i've all i've all of a sudden forgotten what an overbearing predatory jerk you are uh-huh but then he starts turning back into kelp yeah yeah the, and he the, just runs away the julius voice that's coming out yeah and he just runs away yeah yeah he jumps over and... a wall and disappears <laughs> and that scene is over. Yep, and then we get one another one of her patented turns directly to camera, which dissolves <laughs> to another shot uh, of her looking of directly her staring at the camera. Yeah. Where we find out that apparently Miss Purdy's brain has fallen out onto the floor because she can't concentrate because she's so infatuated and in thinking about Buddy Love that she's not listening in class to the point in which an entire test has gone by and she didn't do anything, right? Yep. She Apparently she's just been sitting there the whole time. So he says, come by later and you can take the test. And she comes by later and he goes, oh, excuse me, and he leaves and he takes the thing and comes back as Buddy Love. Yeah. And that's pretty much, yep, Kelp is complicit in Buddy Love becoming a serial date rapist, I guess. I don't know. Apparently, yeah. He seems to be, uh, yeah, he, he, he uh, transforms into him pretty intentionally in this scene. And then, Oh, very intentionally. And, uh, and then we, we have a, a, a scene later on where uh, he, like... He he's staring at her while she's leaving the class. Oh, while he's as kelp, she's leaving. That was earlier, she's actually. Yeah, class. that was that was before. Yeah, yeah, that was when she's leaving after she spaces out on the test, and he, she he like yeah. fantasizes her in different outfits. Yeah, like an evening yeah. gown, and then in a tennis outfit, and then in a bathing suit. And at no point does Kelp imagine her naked, which any normal human being would, but I mean, whatever. And uh, apparently she just stood at the door for no reason for several minutes for him to have this fantasy sequence. <laughs> While he glared at her like a creep? 
Because remember, this it starts getting really convoluted for our reckoning, guys, because there's a bunch of just jumping around at this point. Just scenes that don't even lead into scenes. Yeah. Like, for example, the next thing that happens, we're back in class again, and, oh, there's Henry Gibson with his one-line cameo. Hey, hi, Henry Gibson. Playing a character called Gibson. Yeah. A poem by Henry Gibson. <laughs> and this is where we get... And then we cut to him talking to the fucking bird again or something, and yeah. he's like, I don't, don't understand why this is strong, and um, I, it must have something to do with heredity, and then we get a flashback, Steve, and I don't want to relive it because it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, this is, he. Did, yeah, it's a flashback to Julius's childhood where we meet his parents. Yeah. And his mother is like really loud and overbearing and strict and authoritarian and his father is really sort of meek and submissive and she just orders him around and yells at him no matter what he does and But that's not what's bad. The, Steve. No, because we we catch That's not what's bad. <laughs> is it, Steve? No, that's it's not. not. You're you're not talking about the thing that's bad. In the corner of the room we see baby Julius. <laughs> Played Fuck by Jerry know. Lewis, <laughs> dressed as a baby, dressed as a baby in a in a crib, and the and a mop of hair yeah. and no teeth. The this the scene is blessedly short. There's just like one shot of him, but it's still it's enough with dubbed in baby voice. Yeah, which I think is still his voice. Yeah, but he poorly lip syncs to it, <laughs> and then that scene's over. Yeah. So what did that have to do with heredity? I have no idea, but I think this is uh, that after he he has that flashback, then the bird tells him that he should, or, or he's during some a conversation with the bird, he comes That's on right. the idea. You just said the bird tells him. He, well, you know, the bird is a smart one in in, in the group. Clearly, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he comes on the idea of writing the formula for like the transformation serum down and mailing it yeah. to his parents. So then we get a shot of him yeah. doing that. Oh, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, I did jump around. So in the scene where she said she missed the test, he starts talking to her about Buddy Love, I think. And so yeah. he's aware of what he's doing as Buddy Love. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's what where we got. Because now we go back, because after all that, and he mails the formula to his parents for safekeeping. Miss Purdy comes in to take the test. Right. And then Buddy Love comes in after he took the thing. And he's still colorblind because his clothes don't match. And it's awful. <laughs> and Miss Purdy is real stupid. Yeah. And he kisses her and leaves. And then we're back at the purple pit again. Yeah. And she's... she's... Oh, and that's something else we glossed over. When he was at the purple pit the first time, he played the piano and sang. And all the kids thought he was great. Yeah, and that's again, that's another sort of instance of of the movie really like showing us unwarranted reactions because like Jerry Lewis, I, I don't know if he actually played the piano, but he sang. He didn't. He he sang the song, and he's okay, right? He's not like he he's a decent singer. He's not like anything. Yeah. But that's it. Like he, he, it's not like the 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 number was so amazing that the odd reaction of the audience is at all warranted. Yeah. You know, but everybody yeah. just thinks he's the greatest right 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 yeah. yeah so now this time he he's told miss pretty that he'll meet he'll meet her at the thing right yeah and hasn't he made the formula stronger yeah he said he made it stronger yeah. so that he'll be able to stay buddy longer but apparently it also makes him drunk <laughs> see that was my yeah. question because he shows up at the purple pit and he's drunk and i'm kind of like why is he drunk when did he get drunk who are 
what is going on yeah. in this scene? Because that wasn't made clear, because we actually... Do we see him drinking the stronger potion? I don't remember if we do or not. Anyway, uh. he shows up, he's even a bigger jerk when he's drunk. Then he does another musical number. And then Miss Purdy stares directly into the camera again. Yeah. I don't need to go over what else happens in there, because nothing is starting to matter anymore, Steve. No. My life is becoming joyless. She delivers one of the clunkiest lines in the entire movie during that turn to camera, though, where it's after Buddy oh, yeah. he walks out again, because he's starting to ch- change back into Julius, and he, and he makes his escape, and she turns to the camera, and she says, I feel like the bride whose absent-minded husband... I feel like the bride on her wedding night whose absent-minded husband forgot and went back home to his mother for dinner. That's, boy, that's that's a punchline for you. There's a hole where my soul used to be. <laughs> that's, that's a, I'm glad that they... Hey, Steve, listen. It has an echo. Listen, listen. <laughs> help, help, help. Get me out of here, 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 here. <laughs> Next day, Kelp is late for class. Yeah. And then we get a bunch of hangover jokes that go on forever. Oh, my God. I hope you, I hope you like the joke that noises sound really loud when you have a hangover. When, because if you don't, be prepared for pain, everybody. Because, <laughs> boy, does he beat that into the ground. And by the way, if you've made it this far into the movie, what's wrong with you? We had to do it. You didn't. <laughs> we do a show. <laughs> Unless you do a show where you have to watch this movie. <laughs> Look, if you guys dropped out after the first ten minutes, congratulations. You're smarter than both of us. Oh, We've boy. made it this far. We could have we, we could have faked our way through this. <laughs> we, no, we, we didn't have to watch this movie. I didn't know it was this bad, Steve. I've never seen this fucking movie. Oh boy. It's yeah. Alright, so now we go back to the purple pig for more singing. Yay! And now we go back to class! And, oh no, Buddy and Kelp are starting to intercede each other. Yeah, yeah, and then it cuts back again to the purple pit where he's like... You know what? He makes it stronger after it, so he's... You know what? We got that mixed (laughs) up. It's not... He shows up drunk because he's he's drunk. drunk. It's not because he made it stronger. He makes it stronger after that. He's just fucking drunk. He Probably because buddy. Jerry was fucking drunk. Yeah, exactly. He turned into Buddy, he went and got liquored up, and then he staggered <laughs> over to the fucking purple pit. We're lucky he didn't start murmuring about how leaving Dean was the worst idea ever. <laughs> I just can't carry a movie by myself. <laughs> then we go back to the purple pit again, then we go to Dr. Warfield's office, the meeting about the senior... Prom. Yeah, because remember, in movies, college is just like high school. The senior so prom, Steve? There's, there's, there's class bells, there's school dances, just like high school, except it's college. So do you think that the original script was this, that he was a high school oh, chemistry teacher? Yeah, and he had an affair with one of his high school students. Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a sick way, I kind of hope so, because I want to think less <laughs> of Jerry Lewis than I do already. Anyway, during this thing, they're playing the prom, and uh, everybody loves Buddy Love, and yeah. Dr. Warfield one of, one says... Of them even, yeah, what? One of them even says, he's our new leader. Yeah, he's our new leader. And uh, Dr. Warfield says, I want to meet him at 3 o'clock, and then Buddy Love shows up at his office at 3 o'clock, and hilarity ensues, right, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah. What happens? Buddy... 
well, you know, uh, Dr. Warfield, of course, he's very skeptical about this Buddy Love fellow that he's never heard about. And he's he's just about to, to question him for his qualifications and why he should be invited to entertain at the dance. But then Buddy turns it around on him and he, he compliments him on his suit and how good he looks. And he asks him if, he, if he's ever been in show business. And Dr. Warfield says, oh, well, I did do a play every now and then. And he's like, what'd you do, Shakespeare? And he's like, well, I did Hamlet once or twice. And then he gets him up on the table and he has him doing Hamlet. But he keeps pulling him down and changing his outfit and giving him stuff to use and putting him back up and he's like go ahead and then he pulls him back down and oh boy it's just hilarious I hate my mother for having birthed me so that I would be able to watch this movie I really I didn't hear a word you said I just went to another place Steve I I truly believe we are living in the worst of all possible universes (laughs) I truly believe uh, that then uh, uh, Professor Kelp for some reason, this isn't really explained. Uh, they're selling tele- sending telegraphs to Buddy Love, right, Steve? Yes, yes. The care person of the that bar, technically care of the does club. that does not exist. No one has his address. No one really knows how to get a hold of him. Yet somehow, Professor Kelp is getting the messages. That's weird for Buddy Love, right? Yeah, that's that's really weird. I guess he he went and picked it. Do you have any messages for Buddy Love? <laughs> And, messenger. Yeah, and uh, thankfully the movie reads the telegraph messages for us because our puny little brains wouldn't be able to read the simple messages that are on them. Right, Steve? Yeah, and the messages are basically uh, Buddy is, he's, you know, been booked to appear uh, at the, the, the prom and Professor Kelp has been ordered to show up as a chaperone. So, uh-oh, they're both supposed to be there at the same time. Yeah. And if you guys have been kind of like, fuck, not a whole lot has happened in this movie. He's turned uh-huh. into Buddy Love a couple of times. The same scene is repeated over and over again, which turns into Buddy Love. And then he starts turning back into the professor. And Miss Purdy thinks it's a little weird. And then she stares at the camera. And that's happened five or six times. Congratulations. You paid attention. Nothing really has happened, Steve, right? Very, very little. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. it's okay because now we're at the climax of the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The big, the big set piece where everything's been building to for the last hour and a half. And yeah, boy, I bet Jerry Lewis, that that legendary comic genius, has something up his sleeve, and he yeah. is just gonna bus, bus, bl- blow us all away with yeah, the inventiveness. Yeah, and when she in- introduces the senior prom as the climactic set piece, two minutes before the senior prom scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're at the senior prom. He goes and gets lemonade. He gets to the punch bowl, and now the lemonade is red. Why? Oh, because he's got a white suit, and he's got to put his arm in it, and the red will show up on the white, because if it was lemonade, it wouldn't... (laughs) Yeah, and then it just winds up meaning... It it winds up meaning... I don't want to do it! (laughs) It just winds up meaning absolutely nothing, just like everything else in the movie. Then he dances with Miss Purdy, and she says, I guess I'd like him. I don't think I do, or something, right? Yeah, and he's like, eh, Freud Laven, or something, I don't know. <laughs> and then and and then the the band leader is like, hey, time for, time oh, for the wait entertainment. A, yeah, wait a minute, we forgot. Uh, so, uh, yeah, all of a sudden Miss Purdy is coming on to Professor Kelp. Yeah, she's was, never really seemed like attracted to it him It was before. only slightly, maybe very, very slightly hinted at. And um, they dance, and then uh, he leaves to go get the formula. And uh oh, Steve, 
somehow his bird has eaten the formula. Yeah, though the bird was obviously trying to just end this. <laughs> the movie. She was just Thank yeah. You, she bird. was just like I gotta I gotta put a stop to this. But <laughs> somehow the bird got the formula while it was locked in its cage. Yep. And ate it. Yep. And so, uh, oh, I guess I bet this is where the flashback pays off, right, Steve? Because <gasps> he's got to call his dad. Yeah. And get the formula, and his dad's gonna yeah. read the formula. And we're gonna cut over to a funny scene while he's on the phone of his dad over at his at his at his house, and it doesn't happen. No, no, you just he just it listens. Does, yeah. <laughs> and then we cut to the next scene. Oh, I bet he got the formula wrong. No, he apparently got it just right though. No, he got it wrong because it doesn't last that long. Remember? Oh, maybe he got it. Yeah, that's well, sure, whatever. Would have been funnier if he got it wrong, and then funny things happen, right, Steve? Yeah, maybe if he had come out like you know, like a gorilla or something, or <laughs> you know, with like the purple face or something. Yeah, and no. grabbed Miss Purdy, and then climbed up to the thing, and then turned into Buddy Love, and then turned back into Professor Kelp, and then something yeah. fucking then happened. W- World War One flying aces <laughs> came in. And that would be machine- something. Perforated his body with machine gun bullets. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Buddy Love comes no. up onto the fucking stage and he sings another song. And then while he's trying to sing, the formula wears off. Right? Yeah, he changes back into Julius. And then he delivers a heartfelt monologue about all the things he's learned. No, he, I thought it was the lesson of the movie. Yeah, how he, you know, he learned that you have to love yourself because you're going to spend so much time with you. Ah. And uh, he didn't mean to hurt anybody. Even uh, though we saw him. It's funny even that, we... that this heartfelt apology wouldn't feel so hammered into this film had any of the people in the movie been human beings at any point and not mawkish caricatures and cartoons. That would have helped. That would have helped, yeah. Instead, we get this downer, well, goodbye, everybody. I really like it. Goodbye. Please don't fire me. (laughs) And then he's on the side of the thing, and Miss Purdy comes up, and she's like, I like your boner. And he's like, what? And she's like, oh, well, I think the wife of Professor would be better. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, movie? Are you fucking kidding me? Why is she even going to goddamn college if yeah. all she wants to be is the wife of a professor? Why is she taking chemistry classes? That's why I want to know. She's a girl. She should be taking home ec. And then when they're kissing, the movie tells us by writing onto the screen, that's not all, folks. Yeah. Are we like that Looney stupid? <laughs> it's, it, not only does he have the need, does he feel compulsively that he has to quote Looney Tunes by doing that gag, but it doesn't even, that's not even the end. He's like, I just wanted to put it in. In case you thought it was the end. Because I I have such contempt for the intelligence level of my audience, who, since I've put every cue that this should be the end of the movie, Yeah. no, they won't get it unless I tell them in writing. (laughs) This is not the end yet. So now we cut back to his fucking classroom. He's got yeah. braces, his yeah. hair's done up a little bit, he's a little better dressed, and uh, the flashback pays off, Steve, right? Ah, uh, finally, a payoff to a gag. What happened? Uh, his his mother and father come to visit him in class, and it, it sure seems like the old man has taken that formula and drank the tonic himself, because he sure it's a lot more assertive now. Yeah, and his mom's nice. 
his mom's nice and 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 the old man he takes a case and he he sets up a sample case and in, in in front of the the class and he starts selling the uh the formula like like an old-fashioned medicine show yeah and it's the form it's it's kelp's formula and they leave yeah, kelp and, says, and purdy he says and, i'm getting the hell out of here yeah and purdy's like do you have the license and i'm like license and then they walk off, and then it says the beginning instead of the end. And then all the characters come out for a curtain call, and they bow. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And and Jerry Lewis is last, and he comes out as as Julius Kelp, and he staggers into the camera and knocks it over hilariously. And, and that's breaks the, end of the, the camera. And breaks the camera. The end. The end. Of movies. End. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. The end of everything. I'm surprised the movie industry recovered after this. Oh, God. Steve? Yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've, uh-huh. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Sometimes just even the thought of doing this podcast, I'm like, that was a mistake. Not all the time. Sometimes we've, we've had lots of yucks. We've, we've seen yeah. some good movies. Not nearly enough. Not nearly <laughs> enough to compensate for this. Steve, how do you feel about this tragic decision to watch this film? Oh, boy. Boy, we sure we sure learned our lesson, didn't we? What are your feelings about the comedy <sighs> classic, mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis's The Nutty Professor? It's like Jerry Lewis said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to film Jekyll and Hyde and just take out all the funny bits. Like when he beats prostitutes to death. Yeah. All the stuff that gives the audience a chuckle. I'm going to take that out. And I'm going to replace it with, with overlong gags. Remember and just those hilarious dead opium den scenes in Jekyll and Hyde? Oh, Gone. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, and I'm going to replace them with punchlines that are just left to sit and die. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I will. I. I I'll, I'll declare a bias at the beginning of, of my review here. I, I do not like Jerry Lewis. I think it's just a matter of taste. I know that a lot of people, a lot of really talented people who I do like and admire, cite Jerry Lewis as an influence and have a great appreciation for his work. I have who are never understood. <laughs> who are those people, Steve? You know what? I, as you know from from times we've talked about this before, I'm a, a big fan of the the classic sitcom Three's Company. John yeah. Ritter. Uh, John Ritter says that Jerry Lewis was a big influence on him. He's of that age. I know. I think part of it is that they grew up watching Jerry Lewis movies, and they just you know it's like nostalgia sort of, and just Jerry Lewis was a big star at the time, so that's what it is. Okay. You know, it's like film students saying Spielberg was a big influence. Well, Spielberg was the big fucking movie, was the big director, so of course he's going to be an influence. But right, a, a lot of people you know have or or profess to have a great art, appreciation of Jerry Lewis as an artist and as an actor and as a director. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not one of those people. I just I've never understood it. I've never liked him as an actor. I've especially never liked him as a director. I I don't think he's a good filmmaker. I don't think I don't think he knows how to pace a scene, let alone a film. I I think for someone who has such a reputation as being a comic genius, his timing on film is awful. Mm-hmm. Is just I mean shockingly bad. Yeah. There are scenes in this movie that in different hands theoretically could have been funny 
if if there was just some timing, if there was just some pacing, if there was just a, a sense of setup, punchline, boom, move on to the next thing. Um, it's just nothing. Things are just left to just sit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that 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 there's that that shot gag that we mentioned earlier, where he he's holding the heavy uh, barbell. And then he drops it and it stretches his arms all the way to the floor. Yep. And it, he just holds that shot for like mm-hmm. an hour and a half. Well, like, he needs to make sure that everybody gets it. He just leaves us to stare at it. I'm like, all right, I see it. I mm-hmm. get it. His arms are stretched. I get it. Okay, cut to the next shot. <laughs> um, and there's lot. there are lots of gags like that where it just, it, it, even if it would have been funny, it yeah. just bleeds all of the the, the energy and and the the wit and everything out of it. Um, that transformation scene, which is played kind of straight, uh, there's no tension there. There's mm. no sense of like of dread or any sort of building mood. It's just he flails around on the floor. Oh, his teeth look different. Oh, he's, he's a different color. His hair and uh, but nothing. You don't feel like anything's happening. There's there's no sense of 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 a, a scene being constructed there's no drama there's no anything it's just shot 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 and i mean it's it's not funny the the story is so simple and straightforward there's not a twist there's not anything unexpected it it's it it works itself out pretty much exactly like you would expect it to work itself out Mm -hmm. with the possible exception of the payoff to the parents gag at the end although even that once it happens it feels kind of obvious because you're like well yeah of course you know it's like the obvious payoff to that gag but you know the the scene at the the prom where he turns back into julius in front of everybody on stage like there's no drama there's no surprise there's no twist there's no well, double here's, cross here's there's the problem nothing. I'll, I'll mention it in my review and get, keep going keep going well and and then and and then after that he just he tells you what the movie was about yeah he gives that little speech where he's like here's what the movie was about folks you're supposed to love Here, yourself <laughs> yeah here's the theme i'm a genius okay um and it's just it's just dead. It's just it's just an hour and a half of just staring at just a dead fish. And you're Ooh, like, why am I staring that's at a, this dead minute, fish? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. An hour and a half of staring at a dead fish? Oh man, that sounds like so much fun now. I wish oh I wish oh. we had done that. Look at look at you know look at the flies. Look at the flies landing on the fish. Oh boy. <laughs> you know that Andy Warhol movie where he just pointed a camera at the entrance to the Empire State Building for twenty four yeah. hours? Uh-huh. Oh man, I wish I had seen that. <laughs> I wish I had watched that instead. Um but it's just it there's and it's one of those cases where it just it's 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 regarded by a lot of people as a classic movie and it's it's regarded by a lot of people as Jerry Lewis's best film as a star and a director and maybe that's true but to me that would be damning with faint praise because i i i can i cannot think of another major like hollywood legendary figure who is less deserving of his status based on my assessment of the quality of his work mm-hmm. i don't think he's funny i don't think he's a good filmmaker um if I, I if I must say something nice about him, I will acknowledge that he popularized the use of video assist for directors. Yep. So that he, he didn't could, popularize it; he invented it. Yeah, he actually came up with the the sort of a a, a rudimentary original version of it that mm-hmm. basically allowed him to videotape his take because he he's directing himself, so he could videotape his takes and then he could watch it back immediately instead of having to wait for the dailies to come back from the film lab to see if right. that was a good take. And that's and that eventually became the standard 
standard in the industry. Everybody did that. And, um, you know, and of course now that most people shoot on digital, they use the digital version of that to review the take, but it became like yeah. this revolutionary way that made filmmaking a lot easier and a lot quicker and a lot better. And he deserves credit for that. Um, but I mean, when you look at other comedians who are sort of of a similar type to him in terms of, you know, they made films that were built around their performances and they directed themselves and the movie was sort of built around them and their shtick and their gags. Mm. I mean, he it seems like he's he's aiming for like a Charlie Chaplin kind of thing where he wants to be the star of his own movie and also be the uh-huh. director and the writer. And I mean, Chaplin was working 40 years before this movie was made. So he's even further removed from our current era than, than Lewis is at this point. Yeah. And I can watch a Charlie Chaplin movie and it will crack me up and move me. And, and I will think it's a brilliant film, even though it's 40 years older and further removed from my context than this is. Because Charlie Chaplin was a genius. Yeah. Buster Keaton was a genius. Um, Jerry Lewis was a hack. Jerry Lewis was a, a a very poor, hammy, arrogant, uh, uh, just self indulgent comedian who succeeded in spite of himself. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning he was one of the few success stories at Paramount during this era. And the studio basically let him do whatever he wanted. Yeah. He was still even even after that he was still openly scornful of the studio. Mm-hmm. Used to used to go on TV shows and talk about how much smarter he was than the studio executives, and oh, yeah. how how you know they told him to recut a movie and he didn't recut it. He just showed them the same movie twice, and they thought that it was brilliant the second time because they were such clueless. Which was also a lie, and, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, he was he was grossly overrated as a talent. He, from most accounts, was an awful, abysmal human being. Was terrible to his family. Was was just an arrogant prick. And I, it, 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 I take no joy in watching his movie, but I take a great deal of joy in describing how much I thought it fucking sucked. Yep. So there you go. Okay. So I don't take my personal vendetta against Jerry Lewis as seriously as Steve does. <laughs> I took a look at this movie and I praised it as, as a film. And the primary problem with this movie is that you have a central character that because of the script... We have invested nothing in. And that yeah. is Jerry Lewis's fault. He wrote it. He performed it. The Professor Kelp character is a obscene um, um, exaggeration of what he thinks a nerd is. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least a nerd at that time. Socially awkward, introverted, um, too brainy, uh, little touches of, of arrogance every once in a while. But, you know, a weakling. And he's not much more than that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really kind of angered me in regards to the script was was when he gets to the heartfelt apology at the end of the film and why that just sticks out like a sore thumb and the reason why that heartfelt apology does not work and does not belong there and we've said this in other films is because that apology isn't earned right the character in order to have that apology we need to know something about about kelp that makes us connect with him we need to know that he really wants these things more than just a cartoony he looks at a magazine and goes oh if i could do this then i'll be strong and then i'll be able to put my boner in miss purdy yeah we need to see that this guy is lonely we need to see that this guy thinks that this is the only way we we did we he is such a cartoon that we cannot invest into him fuck me warner brothers characters have more emotional depth than kelp does 
Yet we're Definitely. supposed to just swallow down this heartfelt, tearful apology at the end of the film like it's some kind of brilliant piece of writing. In order to get that, you have to invest in your characters. And he is the prototypical man-child on film. And we've got plenty of them. Fuck, there are entire careers that are built on them right now. But even the worst ones of the films that are made today have characters in which we understand, granted, we may not agree with their motivations, but at least we understand what their emotions, what's driving what they're doing is doing, so that when they have that thing at the end where they realize something or they have some sort of character arc, that arc is at least partially earned, you know? Uh, Mike Myers learned the hard fucking way what happens when you have a character that doesn't learn a fucking thing with the love guru. Oh, yeah. And boy, guys, when that movie's 10 years old, guess what's going up to get reviewed? (laughs) But this this movie contents itself with being a shallow, stupid, um, pointless, gag-filled, repetitive, boring piece of of rainbow-colored shit that's falling out of Jerry's butt, and then at the very last minute, he wants us to feel sorry for Kelp because he was a date rapist yeah. and an asshole. And he's like, I learned my lesson. I should be happy with who I am. Great message. Boy, I wish it was connected to what was going on in this fucking movie, <laughs> because at no point do we see his character regret a goddamn thing he's doing. Not once. No. Not even a little bit. He goes, I've got to make this, the potion stronger. And he keeps taking the potion and keeps going back and treating her like shit. And not even realizing that he's treating her and other people like shit until he says he did at the very end. Which, again, makes you think, Jesus, you're a fuck. You're still a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) So aside from my problem with the characters not being developed to the point which you give even the slightest two squirts of fucking piss about, none of the other characters are well developed either. Miss Purdy gets close, and then she just wants to get married at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and also they completely wreck her character when her character says, "I am only interested in brains, not what the guy looks like." And that very end scene when she's walking down the fucking hallway with Kelp, and it yep. says the beginning, what's shoved into her back pockets? Two bottles of the goddamn formula for the honeymoon. I guess so. <laughs> I don't have enough fuck yous for this movie. I write comedy. It's what I like to do. I don't profess to be any good at it, but I have done it a lot. And nothing makes me more pissed off than when a comedy is lazy and when a comedy doesn't try. And more importantly, when a comedy doesn't recognize what's important to get people to laugh at it. You mentioned Charlie Chaplin. Even in his shorts... He establishes who that the, who the who the tramp character is in many of his short films, gives them an emotional stake in the outcome of what's going to happen, and then allows the character to play out. Yeah, you give a fuck about that character. In his longer movies, it's even worse. You fucking try to watch the kid not cry. I oh, fucking boy. dare you. I double dare you. I, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, one of the criticisms of this movie is how it, it just tosses in that sentiment at the end without really earning it. And yeah. I mean, Chaplin would drown you in sentiment. 
He's one of the most sentimental filmmakers you'll ever see. But yeah. you see that character caring about things and yearning for things and, yeah. you know, wanting things. And struggling. Yeah. In this movie, we have Professor Kelp who goes from one hilarious gag to another as he tries to do a thing. Yeah. That's not the same goddamn <laughs> thing. If we never hear Kelp ever talk about, or at least you film a, a shot of him being desperately alone, which wouldn't be that hard. No. That no one understands him, that everyone thinks he's a joke. We don't even get that. Most people just endure his presence in this <laughs> film. So, you know, I, I don't care about the rest of Jerry, Jerry Lewis's career. I, I know he's an awful person, and I'm glad I never knew him in real life. And maybe this is one of those movies that's generational where this was the funniest thing going. But Jerry Lewis was only funny with Dean <laughs> because he needed a straight man. And without the straight man, he was just he was just a monkey all the time. All he was. That's how he described it. The, the handsome guy and the monkey. And then without the handsome guy, he was just a monkey all the time. <laughs> So, Steve, mm -hmm. <laughs> classic or not classic? I'm going to go not classic. Yay for us. <laughs> we agree. Yeah. Huck you. And I'll, uh, you know what? I'll even say this. The remake is better than this movie. Oh, the remake is so <laughs> much better. And the remake is a piece of shit. The remake is by no means a classic either in any way, but the remake is so much better than this. And at least yeah. it had a, I mean, let's compare and contrast. What, what, what was his name in the, what was Eddie Murphy's name in the character of the Nutty Professor? Was it Professor uh, Clump? Professor Clump, yeah. That character compared to that character, we actually feel for. Yeah. You get a sense of his of his struggle in his inner life a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get that with this. This was a legitimately remake because there was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not classic, not classic, no. not, no. Okay, so, Steve, please recommend a good goddamn movie, please. <sighs> I'm, I am going to recommend a good movie, and I'm going to recommend a funny movie. And I'm actually, just to show what kind of a magnanimous sort of guy I am, Okay. even though I've made it very clear throughout this show that I just despise Jerry Lewis as an artist and as a human being, <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend a movie that Jerry Lewis is in. And I that think I, think, I know which one you're going to tell yeah, go well, there's really, There's really only one. Yeah, there really um, is. That, that, he, that he has a starring role in that he's actually really, really good in. I will give him full credit for an excellent performance in this movie. So, of course, you many of you listening who are familiar with this film have probably already guessed. I am recommending the Martin Scorsese black comedy, The King of Comedy, <laughs> starring Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis and Sandra Bernhard. And this is a, a comedy... Uh, about a failed aspiring stand-up comedian named Rupert Pupkin, played by De Niro, who wants more than anything in the world to be on this movie's version of Johnny Carson, which is uh, Jerry Langford, his talk show, played by Jerry Lewis. And Jerry didn't Lewis, Johnny Carson turn down this role? Yeah, Johnny Carson was offered the role, and he and he didn't want to do it. 
so Jerry Lewis plays the Johnny Carson stand-in and uh, plays it mostly straight and in doing so actually gets some laughs in the movie which is a first for me with Jerry Lewis <laughs> like wow that bit that Jerry Lewis actually was kind of funny there um, see that's cause, funny because while we were watching this while I was watching this movie I I was picturing Jerry Lewis duct taped to a chair. Yeah. Except yeah, that, I wasn't doing what Santa Bernhard was doing in that movie. No, no, I was I was loading a pistol. <laughs> oh, you went th- with a pistol? I went with a blunt butter knife. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, a crowbar. <laughs> um a crowbar wrapped in foam, so it would yeah. take longer. Anyway, yeah, I was going uh, to reenact Death in the Family from the Batman comic oh, series. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. I just got the results from the phone in line, and uh, <laughs> the fans voted for you to die, buddy. Oh, you lost by four votes. Um, yeah, so... Deep cut. It's a deep. It's a deep comic book. It's a cut. deep comic book um, cut, guys. Sorry, um, but yeah. So, yeah. It's it's a really really good movie. It's it's I guess maybe top of sort of second tier Scorsese. It's not quite Goodfellas level, uh, no. but it's it's a really good movie. It's it's it, it was underrated for a lot of years. In the last few years, it's kind of been gaining a little bit more appreciation. Uh, De Niro gives an excellent performance and a very atypical performance for him. Very mm-hmm. sort of idiosyncratic and and very very funny and a really great black comedy. So that is my recommendation. The one Jerry Lewis movie you will probably ever hear me recommend without reservation, The King of Comedy. So there you go. Okay, so as you guys know, I recommend a comedy or a comedy, a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And uh, I chose a comedy from uh, from that year. Um, it's not a good movie, per se. <laughs> it's definitely not a classic. But uh, the main reason why I'm uh, recommending this film is because it pretty much stars a bunch of people that I absolutely love all in one movie. And the movie that I'm going to recommend is the spooky but funny (laughs) (laughs) movie, The Comedy of Terrors. Starring Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, Boris Karloff, and Basil Rathbone. (laughs) Wow. Um, here, I'll, I'll give you a basic idea of what the plot is, and you'll pretty much pick it up at the very beginning, because this is what they show you. Uh, Vincent Price and Peter Lorre, they have a funeral parlor, and they save money by not burying people in the coffins. So as soon as the coffin's in the ground, <laughs> they dump the body in the hole, and they polish off the coffin, and they take it back to the shop. Nice. It's that kind of dark comedy. Dark, <laughs> gothic, stupid comedy. <laughs> Boris Karloff plays an old man. He's fucking great every i just love them so much and this is vincent price being just oh so bitchy and queenie oh (laughs) i loved every second of it you can watch it for free on youtube right now you probably won't like me for recommending it but i still like it it's got a charm to it so if you haven't seen it the comedy of terrors it's better than this shit (laughs) i would rather watch vincent price take a shit than watch this movie again i mean i don't someone please get me some toilet paper (laughs) here's an hour and 47 minutes of boris karloff waiting for a bus yes please please it's 15 minutes late. <laughs> I thought this was the red line. <laughs> okay. Hey, Steve. Uh-huh. Hey, wait a minute. Oh. You know what next month is? 
Yeah, it's October. It's time for me to do the spooky voice, kids. <laughs> because next week, next episode will be in October. And that means we're going to be doing oh, some super scary movies for October. Isn't that right, Steve? Ooh, yeah. And, and you know what? What? <laughs> Count Jason. Yes. Hey, Blair. He only no. comes out once a year when you hear me do the spooky voice, you'll go, <laughs> Oh shit, they're going to ruin one of my favorite movies. <laughs> our, our our first Halloween-themed episode this year, Ooh. Uh, the, the, the podcast will actually drop on Friday the 13th. Oh. In October. I mean... So what are we going to do? Are we going to do the classic... Um, Black Christmas? I don't think so. No, I was thinking something else, actually. On Friday the 13th, hmm, what movie could we do? Oh, (laughs) the mind boggles. The thought of all the gooey monsters that we could get. (laughs) Sleepaway camp. No, we're doing... (laughs) No way, that movie is fucking disturbing. (laughs) Naked boy at the end with the mouth open giving me nightmares. Yeah, not doing that. In my coffin at night. (laughs) No. Um, Don't bite my style, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm riffing on our own bit, which is kind (laughs) of... um, (laughs) <laughs> I thought actually we could just we could bite the bullet and do Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th. Holy shit, kids. Did you hear what Steve said? We're going to do Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. Right. Where we're going to watch a person go around, not to Jason, because he's not technically in the first movie. No. Oh, I'm wrecking it already. It's Uh-oh. actually his mother. That's right, kids. I'm ruining it even before we get to it. <laughs> but let's face facts. If you didn't know that by now, where the fuck did you live under yeah, a rock? I What's mean, wrong with you? <laughs> the movie's like 40 years old. Do we need a spoiler warning at this point? That's right. I feel really old. Thanks, Steve, for saying that. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I went to see that. <laughs> So, kids, if you want to get all the jokes, then you will watch Friday the 13th for our first super spooky Halloween movie, which will drop on Friday the 13th! Yes, master. That's right, get into the spirit, motherfucker. Anyway, (laughs) it only took you 10 minutes into the bit (laughs) to finally find your goddamn voice. Three years, and I finally decided to do a Halloween character. (laughs) That's right, goddammit. It's like, when is he going to get into the spirit? I did it right before. September's not over. And then it's gone. Technically, I was on time. (laughs) All right, fine. I'll drop it too. All right, everybody. (laughs) I'm not doing that for the whole show. (laughs) Well, no, because now we got to say goodbye to all our family. Anyway. Thanks for sticking through this. If you oh, actually boy. watch the movie, I'm not paying you. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't care what damages you suffered. <laughs> you made your choices no same as we did. Okay? Fucking paying me to do this. I had to watch it too. That's right. You don't think I suffered? I was banging my hand into a drawer the entire God time. Damn it. We listen, we didn't just have to watch it. We had to think about it. <laughs> We didn't have the luxury of just forgetting about it as soon as it was over. We had to think <laughs> thoughts about it. That's right. So, uh, until next time, <laughs> this has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. And, well, don't just do something. Sit there. Night.
You hurt me. I'm sorry. You hurt me right at the end. I'm sorry. I hit you with the thing. I told you. <laughs> Please the joke stop. At the end of the movie. The only thing worse than Jerry Lewis is it is is someone imitating Jerry Lewis. <laughs> My half-assed, sort of in the ballpark, Jerry Lewis. It's like water torture with a fire hose. Yeah, yeah. Which and you know, an hour and forty-seven minutes of that. <laughs> Give me that instead of watching this movie again. Maybe just like put it right in my mouth. Just yeah. put the fire hose. Just put put it in my mouth and turn it on full blast, please. Just just blow my head to pieces like a firecracker <laughs> in a pumpkin. And you just... know what I just realized? I think when this movie came out, wasn't Kennedy dead? Oh boy, that, talk so about we'd a fucking laugh punch. at anything. <laughs> haven't haven't the people suffered enough? Jerry Lewis is like no. <laughs> I think it was... Wait, how? when did he die? 62? 63. But it might have been after this opened. I don't remember. Who cares? He's dead. I don't know. He's... Yeah, he was... You know, either way. If, I'm if, glad if, the if, FBI shot him. Shh. <laughs> Probably because they saw this movie. Yeah. Actually, I, but... And I think they I'm did telling you, to, Jerry, this movie made me angry. Angrier than I've ever been before. I'm going to take the sniper rifle out and um, go read a book. Know any good libraries? I think I think Sinatra did it uh, to, just to, to, to show Jerry that he wasn't screwing he around. He was angry at the president, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he sits Jerry down. Sit down, Pally. You want a drink? Hey, look, it's the presidential motorcade. <laughs> he pissed me off once. I built a whole room for him in my house, and then he wouldn't stay with me because of my mob ties. <laughs> oh, look at that. His head turned into a... Oh! <laughs> Frank, he shot the president. Uh. Holy shit. Oh no, dark. the brains on the Jackie's dress. Uh. <laughs> Holy shit, Steve. <laughs> We've got to stop. I think, I, I think, I think, I think after people saw The Nutty Professor, it might have cheered them up. <laughs> they thought, oh my god, the, the president's just been murdered, but you know what? I feel okay. <laughs> It's like when you set off an explosion next to a fire to put the fire out. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.